Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Believers, Salvation, and the Work of God, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, keep your eyes on Russia. As of February 15th, in the morning, U.S. time, Russia seemed to initiate a minor pullback. However, it is yet to be confirmed. This may end peaceably, or this could be a precursor to World War III, which must come on this side of the tribulation period. The reason being is that the Bible says it will take seven years after the war for cleanup. Therefore, World War III is a pre-tribulation event, and we seem to be staring at it right now. So, keep your eyes on Russia. One reason is that Russia was formerly named Gog before the Great Wall of China was built. Remember, this is important because of Bible prophecy of the Gog-Magog war prediction. May God bless you all. In our last episode titled, Believer's Salvation and the Work of God, Part 1, February 13th, we noticed what Peter said in verses 1 and 2. Peter urges us to accept the kind offering of God without so much as a single doubt. We noted also that we should not have just a head knowledge of God and His Word. Peter also insists on an intimate... To find out more, listen to our episode titled, Believer's Salvation and the Work of God, Part 1. Today, our scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1 reads, I can pray this because His divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the One who called us by His own glory and excellence. Through these things, He has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises, so that by means of what was promised, you may become partakers of the divine nature, after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly affection, to brotherly affection, unselfish love. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. But concerning the one who lacks such things, He is blind. That is to say, he is nearsighted, since he has forgotten about the cleansing 
of his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to be sure of your calling and election, for by doing this you will never stumble into sin, for thus an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. From Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3-11 through 11. Notice what Peter says in verse 3 about what he said in verses 1 through 2 of last week's podcast. Peter explains in verse 3, starting with, I can pray this. This means what we studied last week was what Peter was praying in the first two verses. Do you have prayer that well woven into your speech Others cannot tell if you are praying even when you are? Simply put, we should have prayer that well woven into our speech that others cannot begin to know if we are praying even when we are. Not a crafty thing, but a well-crafted thing. There really is a difference there. Remember, God's Word encourages us to pray unceasingly. That should be something to think about. Peter states in verse 3 why he can pray the way he did in verses 1 and 2. Peter says, I can pray this because His divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. There you have Peter's reasoning for why he prayed the way he did. Is that our reasoning also? You may want to consider that question and answer that for yourself as well. Now, notice commentary which we closed with last week, which is commentary for verse 3. We should learn that Christ sets forth himself to us plainly in the gospel, and that by his own power, and gives us all things which are required both for eternal life, in which he has appointed to glorify us, and also to godliness, in that he furnishes us with true virtue. He speaks of Christ, whom he makes God and the only Savior, to salvation. This is the sum of true religion, to be led by Christ to the Father, as it were, by the hand. From Geneva Bible Translation Notes, Christ is leading us by the hand to the Father in heaven. That should produce a wonderful picture in your mind's eye. It should also produce warm and comforting thoughts. Notice, too, how verse 3 ends. The one who called us by his own glory and excellence. Other Bible translations read, Through the acknowledging of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. You see, in both translations, the word glory is used. However, there is a difference in how each verse ends. 
We have read this verse, depending on selected translation, and noticed the use of either the word excellence or the word virtue. Let's see what these two words mean for better clarity. Today, these seem to be different words meaning slightly different things in the English language. First, excellence, the state, quality, or condition of excelling, superiority, something in which one excels, the state or quality of excelling or being exceptionally good, extreme merit, the fact or state of excelling, eminence. The word excellence seems to mean what we expect today. However, we should consider the notion that the word excellence and its meaning should be considered as part of the total meaning in what Peter is expressing here in Scripture. Notice more in the meaning of the word virtue. Virtue, moral excellence and righteousness, goodness, an example or kind of moral excellence, a particularly effectious, good, or beneficial quality, advantage, the quality or practice of moral excellence or righteousness. Theology, any of the cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, or theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, or as we say today, love. Conformity of one's life and conduct to moral and ethical principles. Moral excellence. Rectitude, a particular moral excellence, make a virtue of necessity to make the best of a difficult or unsatisfactory situation. Both word definitions from the Free Dictionary by Farlex. The word meanings for both excellence and virtue give us a lot. Most notably, any of the cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, or theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, or, today, love, to make the best of a difficult or unsatisfactory situation. If you have any knowledge of God's Word, those two definitions of virtue, right there, should sound very familiar to you. The definition of excellence should only reinforce these meanings of the word virtue, since we should be excellent in these aforementioned virtues. Remember, the phrase moral excellence was used five times in the definition of the word virtue. So, we can easily conclude that moral excellence is achieved in reaching prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, or of the theological virtues we find in the New Testament of faith, hope, and charity, or, as we say today, love. Faith, hope, and love. That should spark the idea of a verse in the New Testament.
God's promises and the Christian virtues, according to his divine power, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. From Kurtzman Popular Commentary. That really says it all very succinctly. Simply stated, his divine power has given to you and me all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice it not saying everything we want or think we should have. Jesus does this according to his divine power through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. All this provided we receive him, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior of our life. Remember, Peter is writing to those who have done this already and are saved by the extended grace of God through Jesus Christ. Verse 4 reads, Through these things he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises, so that by means of what was promised you may become partakers of the divine nature, after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. Many of those who are unsaved do not think of themselves as corrupt. They also may or may not think they are the kind of person who is weak and bows to evil desire. However, they do so on a more concealed level that they themselves do not even realize. Such people are often thought of in the world at large as good, kind, and decent people. They work hard and do whatever good they can do by and large. Yet, as unsaved people, they are worldly. They are spiritually corrupt, which is produced by evil desire, even if unrecognized. Yet, by general appearance, it is difficult to judge them by today's standards we all use. That may sound harsh to many people. However, it is a fact we all must come to grips with. Without Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are eternally doomed, as Scripture says, regardless of the good one tries to work in their life, even as Jesus has said, which is also recorded in Scripture. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. From Kretzmann Popular Commentary. Furthermore, this commentator says, an explanation of the former sentence declaring the causes of so great benefits, that is, God and his free promise, from which all these benefits proceed, I say, these most excellent benefits, by which we are delivered from the corruption of this world, that is, from the wicked lusts which we carry about in us, and are made like God himself, 
By the divine nature, he means not the substance of the Godhead, but the partaking of those qualities by which the image of God is restored in us. From Geneva Bible Translation Notes. The Geneva Bible Translation Notes puts this in a better quality here with three very important comments. One, declaring the causes of so great benefits, that is, God and his free promise, from which all these benefits proceed. I say, these most excellent benefits, by which we are delivered from the corruption of this world, that is, from the wicked lust which we carry about in us. Two, and are made like God himself. That causes a question to come to mind. How are we made like God himself? Three, by the divine nature, he means not the substance of the Godhead, but the partaking of those qualities by which the image of God is restored in us. Here is what seems to be a very clear conundrum posed here. First, we learn from Peter, I might add, that we can essentially be perfect in action and execution. Then, commentary says, we are delivered from the corruption of this world, that is, from the wicked lusts which we carry about in us. The conundrum really does not exist if we look deeper. However, on the top, one can make that misleading assumption. Assumptions are something we should never rest with and be satisfied with because such a practice leads to incorrect interpretation of God's Word. Here we have a perfect example of what is really in God's Word and what we might otherwise walk away with if we assume instead of interpret. To some people, this could appear as a cleverly conceived contradiction. The Bible seems to say one thing when commentary seems to say something just a bit different, when it is not. Notice, commentary said this, We are delivered from the corruption of this world, comma, then, in parentheses, it says further that this, from the wicked lust which we carry about in us. So, here is the question. How can we carry about in us wicked lusts? This is why we should never assume what we read in the Bible and any supportive documentation we use to supplement our learning. We should dig into it deeper. This commentary supports what Peter is saying by giving us more clarity. We are fully forgiven and absolved of our sinful character and sinful burden. Yet, it should be noticed that the reality in this life is that until we reach a 
full resolve of our sinful issues, we will experience the negative impact of them despite the fact we are fully forgiven of them. This truly identifies us as children. This is why Scripture speaks of us as children of God. As a parent, do you not forgive certain of your children's disobedience only to see them repeat it again until they grow up enough to have command over their issue? Of course, this is true and gives us a look into how God deals with us, his children. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly affection, to brotherly affection, unselfish love. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, They will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. From 2 Peter 1, verses 5-8 through Now, notice commentary on this passage starting with verse 5. Having laid the foundation, that is, having declared the causes of our salvation and especially of our sanctification, now he begins to exhort us to give our minds wholly to the true use of this grace. He begins with faith, without which nothing can please God, and he warns us to have it fully equipped with virtue, that is to say, with good and godly manners being joined with the knowledge of God will, without which there is neither faith, neither any virtue. From Geneva Bible Translation Notes. We need to lay a foundation in our lives. Sound like a parable or two of Jesus? I hope it does. That foundation is, having declared the causes of our salvation, and especially of our sanctification. Peter also warns us to be fully equipped with virtue, that is to say, with good and godly manners, being joined with the knowledge of God's will. The question to answer at this point is, can we partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption which, in this world today, is lust. Maybe we can find an answer in Kretzmann popular commentary. For as much as his divine power has given us all things that are necessary for life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us by his glory and divine virtue, through which he has given to us the precious and greatest promises that by means of these you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world in lust. The apostle enumerates some of the wonderful gifts of God as the Christians are enjoying them. It is God whose divine power 
working through the gospel, has freely given us, donated to us, everything that serves and aids us in the new spiritual life as it shows itself in godliness. His grace and mercy is so full and complete that there is nothing missing which might serve our spiritual needs. God presented us with all these wonderful gifts by working the saving knowledge of himself in us when he called us through the gospel, the knowledge of God, which the natural man possesses is at best one which makes him fear the almighty power of the great Lord of the universe. But we have learned that God is our kind, merciful, loving Father in Christ Jesus. To this knowledge of faith, God has brought us through the glory and virtue that is peculiar to him through his majesty as well as through his unsalable perfection, through his goodness, kindness, mercy, and grace. At the same time, and through the same perfection of his essence, God has imparted to us another gift, namely the precious, the immeasurably great and beautiful and incomprehensible promises. His purpose in doing this was and is that he might so strengthen our faith as thereby to make us partakers of his divine nature, to give us the spiritual power to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us. It is in this way that we are enabled to consecrate to him and to flee from the corruption, from the degeneration, decay, and death which is in the world and is brought about by the evil lust, by the natural deceitfulness of the human heart in consequence of sin. Thus, all the benefits of conversion and sanctification are here briefly outlined in order to give a solid foundation to the appeal which the Apostle is about to make. We will continue to work deeper into this passage in our next episode, Believers, Salvation, and the Work of God, Part 3. What does Peter mean when he says, But concerning the one who lacks such things, he is blind. Join us next week to find out. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, 
and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.